0: Des Bishop podcast. Here we go. Hello, welcome back to the Des Bishop podcast, which I wasn't sure was going to continue, but I'm sitting here this morning in my kitchen, which is a little bit too hot because the sun is beautiful, beautiful Dublin morning, beautiful Sunday morning. The sun was beaming in through my uh, kitchen window. And the underfloor heating was definitely on a little too high. I'm sitting here sweating after a bowl of porridge and a coffee. Made an arrow press. And uh, I was uh, taking the morning to put together a proposal that I'm working on to do with masculinity. Just a little project. I won't give too much details about the project, but needless to say, uh, I had to put together a little... Uh, a little proposal, a little breakdown of where I thought the whole thing was going, and uh, <clears throat> so I was, I was having a little look at a ton of different things around masculinity, and then I was watching a few comics and the stuff they were talking about around ma- masculinity, toxic masculinity, and I started taking some notes, and then I thought, you know what, I, I, I can't, I can't work my brain right now. I'm tired. I had a busy weekend. It was in Letter Kenny on Friday night, which is just a great show, but it's just a killer drive. And I drove back straight away because I was in Wexford last night, uh, which is actually one of the biggest shows on the tour. Uh, I sort of outperform in Wexford because I went to boarding school there and have a lot of connections there. And we always have a good sort of Wexford specific show. But anyway, I was in the Wexford Opera House last night, uh, which always has me a little extra nervous because so many people I know go to the show and it's such a beautiful venue and you feel like your flippant comedy is uh, doesn't deserve such a beautiful space. And uh, so I was, I was under extra pressure mentally last night and uh, whatever, I don't want to moan and groan, but I, I can't sleep in. I'm not a bad sleeper, but I'm a bad sleeper-inner in that if I go to bed at 9 p.m., I wake up at six or seven, and if I go to bed at two or three, I wake up at six or seven. It's just the way I'm. It's just the way I'm uh, programmed. I always say I have the working hours, I have the body clock of a farmer and the working hours of a stripper, and uh, it certainly doesn't suit my uh, my lifestyle, my sleeping patterns. Long story short, I'm very tired. But I didn't want to waste the morning, uh, not working on this proposal, but after taking all the notes and then trying to sort of make sense of everything, I really just, my brain just wasn't having it. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to turn on my Zoom H5, which I have been using more recently with Katie Boyle for our new podcast, The Shift. But I'm going to turn it on and I'm going to share my confusion around masculinity and the more popular term nowadays, toxic masculinity, with the Des Bishop podcast family. Um, and I i think at this stage, we've shared a lot together. Let's say that this is a safe space to share honestly. And uh, I'm, I'm actually not coming here with my views alone. I'm coming here also with questions and perhaps... Uh, um, a lot, you know, expressing a lot of confusion about different things and the way that people react. Who's right? Who's wrong? And uh, maybe we'll find some some gold out of it. Because obviously, you know, masculinity comes up now as a hot topic. I put in masculinity into Google. Just out of curiosity, I wanted to see recent articles written about masculinity. So I put it into Google. I clicked the news part of Google, and 75 to 80% of the articles were about toxic masculinity. And that's certainly the buzzword. If you'll excuse me for a moment, I'm having a sip of coffee to increase my sweatiness. Which the sound of people drinking is kind of disgusting, especially into a microphone. So I apologize for that. I tried to pull the mic away. Uh, most of the articles are about toxic masculinity. Which, you know, on many levels, I don't really have a problem with other than when the word becomes so prevalent, it kind of takes over, and it almost feels like masculinity now requires the prefix toxic masculinity, Uh, which I guess some might argue could be a problem when uh, maleness or masculinity gets too associated with a negative thing. However, I'm not overly concerned about that right now. Uh, it's very interesting because uh, toxic masculinity, uh, which everybody's talking about, um, is, is definitely basically full of what people would consider traditional masculinity. Uh, as in, you know, boys will be boys, man up, uh, I guess, you know, negative attitudes to women. Um, uh, you know, uh, just, uh, you know, don't be emotional. Uh, I mean, that seems to be the big one is, you know, the, the don't be emotional part. And I'm down with all that. I'm down with, you know, uh, tackling all that stuff. And where I find it gets really interesting is the lack of consensus on what positive masculinity is. I mean, is it the absence of those things that's positive masculinity? Uh, And that's really what I'm curious about. I'm really curious about what is positive masculinity. And I know many people have opinions on this. Uh, And I'm just trying to figure out a way to articulate what is positive masculinity, that's, uh, I guess, not solely based around saying what's not bad, or what should I say? In other words, uh, to talk about it in reference to, don't be bad, but actually more uh, in a positive sense to say, this is what we should be striving for as men. And then obviously, in society as a whole, this is what we all should be championing or praising or enjoying or becoming comfortable with, uh, that this type of man is the ideal man in the modern world. And I get it. It gets real complicated real fast because not everybody agrees from the sort of, you know, I guess, from the attitude of women that feel, you know, look at all the hurt and the pain that's caused by these traditional forms of masculinity, misogyny, the patriarchy, and I guess a discussion around men in terms of the damage that they have caused and the privilege that they have enjoyed straight through to the other end of the spectrum, which is, I guess, what some people now call masculinists, but what I like to call... I don't like the term masculinist. Uh, I prefer the term male supremacist uh, for the extreme other end of the spectrum. Uh, and by the way, I shouldn't, I shouldn't make it a direct other end of the spectrum because somebody can accuse me of saying, so were you saying that the, the women that were complaining about misogyny and the patriarchy were, 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 were women supremacists? No, I'm not saying that. In fact... This is not a completely balanced graph. (laughs) This is not a completely balanced line of uh, in the middle there is everyone understanding everybody. On one end is ultra-feminist, on the other end is male supremacist. I'm not suggesting that one line is not more extreme than the other. But anyway, the male supremacists, I guess, would say that this is the way it should be. Men are strong. Women appreciate a strong man. They appreciate a man who takes control in the bedroom. They're natural caregivers. Men are natural providers, and this is the way it's been for a very long time in history. And that this is this move against men is uh, some sort of attack on maleness and a move away from the true nature of human beings. Um, and then there is all that is in between and i i really actually want to understand everybody's point of view or certainly not maybe not understand but i want to spend the next few months really researching and understanding where everybody's coming from or certainly what their argument is and digest all that which is not easy of course because there's there's a lot of there's a lot of waffle out there I don't know if anybody has noticed. There's a lot of people talking, including me right now, waffling away about all this. But it does help to understand where everybody's coming from. Because obviously it's very easy. You see a lot of articles. It's very easy to be like, men need to be more emotional. Men need to be more comfortable uh, speaking about what's really going on for them. They need to call out other men for bad behavior. Like that's all well and good. You chuck that down. But uh, I do believe that it's... It's more nuanced. Uh, let me just give an example of the nuance that I'm talking about. How does, say, a guy my age, forty-three years old? I'm not speaking about myself though, but I feel like our generation, Generation X, certainly late Generation X, we somewhat straddle, you know, two groups in that we still feel somewhat we even though we're in our early forties, I do feel somewhat of a connection to sort of the woke. Millennials, in that we had similar enough, I you know we had a similar enough sense of feeling like we were progressive, you know, Uh, which is why suddenly it's so weird to be sort of placed in the slightly less progressive category, Uh, which is totally fine. But that's because you know uh, it's easy. It's still we still are people from an age where we got smacked around as kids. We definitely told a lot. You know, to man up. Excuse me. Told a lot to man up. Definitely grew up around a lot of homophobia, um, and you know, just clearly traditional roles between men and women in our in our lifetime. But we've seen that change to a degree. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like we're, we're 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 somewhat in the middle, but at the same time, uh, a a lot of men my age and perhaps all men will still experience deep emotional response to acting outside of what they consider to be uh, a traditional masculine role, like admitting weakness to others or um, expressing uh, fear uh, to another person. Because of course, if you can express that fear to somebody, if you can share that fear, you can take its power away. I mean, it's empowering. But for some reason, it feels like it's a lack of power. It feels like, well, I guess when I was younger, somebody would have said, don't be a pussy. You know? Uh, And I mean, that, that term in itself is really probably a pretty strong one. I cannot count on my hands. I cannot count on my hands. I can't even count in my fucking brain, my numerically dyslexic brain, undiagnosed, by the way, but I definitely think I have some problem with numbers. In my numerically dyslexic brain, I cannot count the amount of times people said to me in my life, don't be a pussy. Don't be such a pussy. You're such a fucking pussy. And hey, Let me just out myself. I have definitely said that to people. Don't be such a fucking pussy. You know? Um, So, with all that, uh, I guess, how do you create... How do you create a scenario? Or how do you understand, or how does a man articulate what he's feeling at a time where his... His mind is telling him he's being a fucking pussy. Whereas in actual fact, it's the opposite. And by being a quote unquote pussy in this situation, you're going to be more powerful. You're going to be the opposite of a pussy. And I'm not embracing the term pussy. I'm just running with it at this particular time. We can strike it from the record later on as a term that's useful in this scenario. Um, and you know, I think I think people are having that conversation, you know, uh, but I think the more you have it, the more the the power of that feeling disappears, you know. Um, so one of the reasons why I decided I wanted to turn on the microphone about this was, I was Googling. Stuff about masculinity, and you know, you just go down the rabbit hole of different things that come up, and eventually, a lot of stuff came up about the Gillette ad, which you know, it's funny. It's, it's kind of like as a controversy he's disappeared already. Like everything in this fucking world, everything just comes and goes so fast. It's so incredibly important, and then it, it disappears in heartbeat. And then uh, there was a, a Joe Rogan piece, uh, I think with Theo Vaughn, but I don't want to. Sp- I. I, I, I I think that's who that was because actually I've I've only just recently become familiar with Theo Vaughn, but I think it was Theo Vaughn and the two of them. Well, I mean, in fact, they were very negative towards the Gillette ad. And I'm not making a judgment for them on that. Uh, Joe Rogan's position very much was like, you know, you're a, you're, you're a, a, a razor company. Don't fucking preach to me about what's right and what's wrong. And, um, I mean, he took a more general position of everybody wants to fucking tell you what you're doing wrong in today's day and age, but most people are actually okay, which was fine. I thought it was a little bit of a lazy argument, but anyway, it was the comment section that interests me the most. Because when I went into that comment section, I was like, "Uh uh-oh, fuck. (laughs) Actually, the majority of men's reaction to all this discussion around toxic masculinity, is that men are under attack, and there's a lot of shaming going on. Actually, there I think there is some certain amounts of shaming going on around men. But so I don't even want to I don't want to throw that one out there because this stuff was way more extreme than what some people might consider a rational response to being concerned around you know uh, leaving a generation of men feeling ashamed of being a man. Let's 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 jump back out of that because it was way more extreme than that. Um. And there was just a lot of reaction to basically saying that, you know, you can't be a real man anymore and men are under attack. And and then a lot of sort of how come, you know, there was one comment like, when is Tampax going to do a commercial? You know, about women not making fun of other women's clothes and all this kind of like, what about women? You know, and there's always that, isn't there? There's always this what about women thing, or, you know, what about Republicans, or what about Democrats when somebody's criticizing somebody else, as if problems with another group have anything to do with the fact that we're discussing problems in this group. You know, it's all well and good to suggest that, yeah, some women are horrible too, or there's issues within, uh, there's issues within. the the traditional female that needs to be tackled, but that's really irrelevant in the sense that, I know it's very easy to look at all these issues in relation to a battle between two groups, as in, this is a battle between women and men, you know? I mean, there's elements of women battling for uh, a better position in society, but at the same time, suggesting that men can change certain aspects of themselves for the betterment of society, is is it, it? Doesn't have to be viewed as if this is some sort of a loss, a concession. You know, it's always viewed in the sense of this is a concession, a concession that yes, we've lost this one. You know, and while I guess some people would say, "What's wrong with with admitting defeat and saying we've lost this one?" Uh, but I guess part of the problem is that that suggests somehow that you were fighting for it in the first place. When in actual fact, most of this stuff, nobody's been fighting for this. It fucking happens. Whatever goes on in society, power dynamics, various different power dynamics over the history of time, you know, they they happen. And then we become entrenched. And then when they're challenged, we become defensive as fuck. So the defensiveness I completely understand. But I guess the problem is that when you look at those comments, you realize that if you really want to try to understand this better, and improve society uh, particularly prove uh, improve men's ability to adapt to the changes in society it's going to be it's going to be a tough road ahead you know and i completely identify with them because i get defensive too i mean i'm not really of the generation that goes to the comment section to express my dissatisfaction with something and I think that's a little bit of a problem with modern society is your defensiveness can be expressed immediately and then it is permanent to a degree. You know? I try to stop myself uh, responding to my immediate defensive thought. Because, well, not that often it's wrong, but often I can get a better understanding of why I'm being defensive if I just take a sec, you know? And I'm defensive often. Because here's the truth. I have toxic masculinity. I don't like the term toxic masculinity. I don't think I said that at the start, but I don't like it. But all the things that they're talking about, I have it. Have it in spades, man. You know? Like, people call you the alpha male and all this bullshit. But there are times where I like to be the top dog. And again, I'm not saying that's always negative. However, if, when you're not the top dog, when you don't feel like you're in charge, when you don't feel powerful, you know, when you embrace that stoicism all the time and can't have any other way of being, it can't be good. It can't be good. We need more balance. And the evidence, the evidence is out there of the negative repercussions of an inability to adapt. And if one thing we know about evolution, Adapting has been key to the survival of the human race. Survival of all races on the planet. We need to adapt. That's just the way it is. And you can keep your traditional masculinity. And you can you can fight against change. But, you know, and you might be right about some of it. But you're not right about all of it. Nobody is nobody's right about all of it. All of us are entrenched to a degree. All of us have belief systems which can do with being challenged. And the whole thing is that because so much of this, to be honest so much has to do with identity, man. So often it has to do with identity. The problem is that we become so fucking attached to our identity in relation to how we feel about ourselves and who we are you know, and we become so rigid in our, uh, our definition of what that identity is, that when it's challenged, the fear is too strong. Because the sense of how much you're going to lose is immense. The sense of, I am, if I give in on this, I am losing myself. If I give in on this, all will fall apart. That's the thing. That's what's so damaging about modern discourse. People have become so entrenched because the internet, despite the fact that it was meant to free us, and God knows it's brought good things, and a lot of these challenges are coming from the internet. But on the flip side, the internet has given people an ability to become more deeply entrenched in their identities, more deeply incensed, uh, in, more deeply uh, entrenched in this sense of this is who I am, this is how I define myself, and if you challenge that, you are going to pay the price because you are wrong. You know, and that is the. Antithesis of adapting. It's certainly the antithesis of uh, compromise, evolution, improvement, community, living together. All these things, you know, all these things that I consider to be positive. And and I and I don't think that all aspects of traditional masculinity are negative. And I think that you can have that discussion. And I think that you can talk to people and you can uh try to have some more hormon- harmonious 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 uh discourse between different groups of people to better understand each other and and grow but it, i don't i don't i don't see- many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care That happening, and certainly, I know I'm waffling, but uh, I, I certainly haven't, I haven't really seen a ton of clear stuff on the positive side of what men should strive for. And I know it's difficult because I don't think the goal is the same for everybody. You know, I don't think the goal is the same for. Let's say an urban man, an urban guy, 30 years old, not married, uh, millennial, uh, decent job, you know, into what he's into. I don't think the goal for him of what is a good man is the same for 45 year old father of two who lives in, you know, a small town in Texas or for that matter, uh, a 20 year old uh, GAA player. From Leitrim, you know. I I I think I think it has to be a broad definition, but I think there should be something to strive for. Because I think if you constantly frame the argument, this is what you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be overly stoic. You know, you shouldn't be too closed off. You know, you shouldn't you 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 shouldn't always think of women as sex objects. You know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, you shouldn't. If it's always like that. It's no wonder then that people feel like they're under attack. It's no wonder then that people get defensive. You know? I think it should constantly be, this is what we need to be. These are the good things that we should be striving for. What is that? You know? Well, let's just go with the easy ones first. You know? You should be loving. You should be caring. You should be, have a desire to be helpful. Uh, You know, you should be ambitious. You know, sometimes I feel like people put ambition into some negative. You should be ambitious. You should strive constantly to be a better person. You should strive constantly to educate yourself. You should be unafraid to be challenged. You should be unafraid to change your positions on things as you gain more information. You should be unafraid of information. You know, you should be unafraid. I mean, lack of fear... Uh, I mean, well, you I, I shouldn't say lack of fear, but just the ability to allow yourself to be challenged, really. Uh, anyway, I was, that was a little bit of a rant. It ran out right there. I thought there was a funny one when I was looking. So I'm just putting my feet up. I thought there was a funny one when I was looking online. There was this, I, I can't even remember, it was a black female comedian. She was, she made some, I didn't, you know what? I didn't even look at the video, actually. I just saw that it was saying um, men shouldn't be, oh, you know, why don't men hold hands, you know? And, it, you know, it was in this realm of of masculinity. And, you know, this sense of men, men should be able to hold hands uh, if they weren't so, you know, if the masculinity wasn't so toxic. And I thought, well, that's very interesting because, well, I don't hold my friend's hands uh, and maybe some of that has to do with toxic masculinity. But I thought, really, when it comes to holding hands, I probably would hold a guy's hand that I just met. Same way I'll hold a woman's hand that I just met. Early stage of a relationship. But get to know me, get a little further in the relationship, when the real intimacy is kicking in, that's when I fucking struggle to hold hands. I don't think it's toxic masculinity for me. I think it's a fear of intimacy. I'll hold anybody's hand early on. I'll think, hey, let's get to know each other. But then once you fucking know me and you're like, let's hold hands, I'm like, what the fuck do you want from me? What the fuck are you trying to get from me? Fucking holding your hand. You know, you're, sub- you're up to something. I'll tell you that right now. So I think, you know, sometimes you can get confused about what's toxic masculinity and what's... Intimacy issues, and maybe the intimacy issues are tied into the masculinity thing, or maybe they're tied into other things—the way you were raised, relationship with your mother—who knows? But needless to say, it's a very interesting world here online, you know. So, just just to just to take it out of my take it out of my rant for a sec. I am um, as I put together this proposal. The things I'm going to be looking at are, um, well, number one, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be looking at, you know, toxic masculinity in terms of its definition. Uh, what is the consensus on what we need to do about defining a new masculinity? Who will I be talking to? All the groups, feminist groups, uh, men's groups. Um the Mankind Project. Uh Unfar Ella is a Irish organization that I want to chat to them. Um that my brother's keeper, Obama, was actually uh did a talk with them. They're actually kind of geared towards uh men of color, you know, for men of color to be uh better men in the states. Uh I want to talk to some of the more like extreme groups, like the Proud Boys. They had a lot of Gavin McInnes, who actually was on his show before. Talk to him more because they're very much the, of the group of uh, men that feel like men are under attack. Uh, talk to out and out male supremacists and masculinists, and uh, and then also you know maybe men's groups that have a point about you know custody of children. Uh, talk to. Uh, Women's group, you know, women uh, groups that look after abused women, and you know how that toxic masculinity—you know—the the real uh, deep negative effects of toxic masculinity, uh, men's violent reaction to being challenged, uh, men's violent reaction to the fear of emasculation, uh, um, and, and basically just chat to all these groups to try to come to a better understanding of uh, where we're at uh international men's day is november 19th which uh you know it's very interesting because when people say there's men's day it shouldn't be a men's day every day is a men's day you know just talk about you know talk about all that i also want to talk about this sense of how much responsibility should a group take for the sins of the past and this comes up a lot not just in relation to masculinity obviously in, in relation to you know what happened during world war ii in south africa uh, you know, uh, slavery, uh, you know, sort of, you know, England in relation to Ireland and, uh, you know, Bloody Sunday. and You know, all these sort of this sense of who's responsible and then also this sense of a people feeling ashamed about the sins of their fathers or the sins of their predecessors and how much of this shame... Should we take on or what responsibility should we feel, I guess, as men for what's gone in the past? And then also I want to look at sort of how much uh, should we just, you know, this, this sense of peace and reconciliation like they do in the North or in South Africa. You know, this sense of can we move forward if we constantly hold on to this sense of aggrievement, this sense of being wronged. Uh, I, I really want to explore that. And I don't have an opinion on that, by the way. I want to talk to people about that. You know, this sense of, can we move forward? Even in the post-Me Too era, you know, can we move forward? Knowing, say, let's just, let's just put out a hypothetical. Knowing that uh, men were perhaps ignorant observers to abusive situations. Perhaps they weren't aware of it, but... When it's put to them, they can they can see it, you know? It's kind of like um, when you buy a car, you never noticed the car that you owned that much. But then once you own it, you feel like, oh my God, there are so many Audi A4s out there, you know? Uh, you just notice it. And I guess when somebody points out to you, yes, there's a lot of harassment in the workplace, this is what it is, and then you know it, and then you see it. Or not only that, but you see it in your memory. The amount of times it was happening around you and you were kind of oblivious or you didn't want to see it. Or, But, I, you know, I think it's more passive. I don't think it was like a decision. We didn't want to see it. It's just we weren't aware of it. And then suddenly you're aware of what it is. And then you go, oh, Jesus, that. I did see that. Didn't even realize, you know. And then people say, oh, you're full of shit. You're just You're just trying to make yourself feel better. But, you know... I don't think it's always full of shit. I think some guys were oblivious. Anyway, long story short, in the post Me Too era, you know, how do we move forward with say a generation of uh, of men in, in certain positions that didn't do uh, anything that deserves real punishment, but didn't do anything to help? Do we have a, a peace and reconciliation situation? That's this is, you know, this is just a, a comparison thing. Do we have a peace and reconciliation situation where we say okay let's let's allow us to all drop our sense of we've been wronged and move forward together to have real progress because obviously if you if you live in this sense of consistent resentment it, it's it's hard to progress and again this is I'm throwing this out here as a question is this something we need to look at I'm not saying this is what we need to do. Don't attack me and say, oh, well, that's fine for you. You just want to pass. You know, I, I'm not looking for a pass. I'm not even saying that You know, I, I was oblivious. I'm just saying these are the things that I want to explore. Um, and uh, oh, th- I thought this stat was really interesting. Um, a study by Pew Research in 2018 found that 97, 95% of Americans described the term emotional man as a negative trait, and ninety-five percent of people viewed protective men as positive. So that's that's just ninety percent, five percent of people, ninety-five percent of Americans. So it's interesting how many of these views are are, are so deep in us. Um. And uh, anyway, that's just what's on my mind, you know. And. Uh, so I said I would share it with you guys. I had hoped that this conversation into this mic would uh, inspire uh, some material. Oh, by the way, I do like the fact that if you, if you sort of... You know, there is this sense, if you discuss in a way that you agree that toxic masculinity needs to be challenged and that there are certain aspects of maleness that have been negative, if you agree with that, that you're a cuck... You know, isn't that the term? Cuck. Just want to double check that just in case I'm fucking giving out false information. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cuck. Oh, it comes from cuckold, of course. Oh, there's even a Wikipedia for it. A cuck A cuckold. Oh, interesting. The word conservative reached a high level of mainstream political conversation around mid-July 2015, where it gained media attention just a few weeks before the start of the Republican primary debate. Yeah, I mean, listen. I guess I guess certain aspects of this conversation prove that I'm a conservative, you know. I mean, I haven't even mentioned Trump, but obviously I think that Trump has brought this this discussion more to the forefront because he's clearly rallying against anything. Conservative. Oh yeah. Beta male. That's another thing. A guy, you know, so I'm doing this new podcast, um, which I you really have to listen to, by the way, uh, the shift Irish Sex and Dating Podcast. But really, it's just a honestly, it's a sex and dating podcast. I, I I'm calling it an Irish Sex and Dating Podcast because kind of like I feel like there was a hole in the market here in Ireland for that. But in actual fact, it really should be called uh a sex and dating podcast for Catholics. <laughs> because it's really just about people who are trying to Navigate their way through sex and dating where they were brought up with a, real, a lot of shame around sex, right? But anyway, it was interesting because I, I got this—I uh, got a comment from this guy, and you know, the, the comments were fine. He seems to be enjoying the podcast. But I—I I, I think there there are there, there, certainly either he's being challenged by some of the stuff we talk about in the podcast, or maybe he listens to a lot of Joe Rogan or something. I don't know. But he asked me. He goes. Would you see yourself as an alpha male or a beta male? You know, which is, which is just really interesting because I don't really think in those terms. I mean, clearly I'm an alpha. But anyway, uh, I don't really, I'm kidding. I don't really think in those terms. But uh, let's see what the Wikipedia is calling beta male. Uh, a beta male or simply beta is a term derived from the designation for beta animals in ethology. The term has been frequently used in the manosphere. Jesus, I mean, these terms are coming at me now hard and fast. The manosphere, see, this is why I I need to get into this because this is such an interesting world. I'm literally dipping my toes into the manosphere and I'm going to be accused of being a conservative, which is hilarious because the whole reason I'm doing this is so that women will like me more and then I can fuck them. (laughs) Just kidding. Guys, I'm kidding. This is a joke to keep the men on side. This is just a joke, guys. Relax, okay? We're allowed to have a sense of humor on the Des Bishop podcast. This term has frequently been used in the manosphere, along with its counterpart, alpha male, designating males that are not beta. The term has been used to describe men who are associated with feminism, or men who are not assertive, particularly with women. Tracy Clark Flurry wrote for Salon that she prefers the words sensitivity, emotional intention, intelligence, and peacemaking to beta. Now, even, even that is fucking annoying, in the sense that, um sensitivity emotional intelligence and peacemaking uh, yeah you know it, it i have to say i do i get defensive like you know uh, uh, immediately in the sense that uh mm, let, me, let me have a look at that what am i thinking right there now that we're live and i'm literally getting annoyed by that statement see i have no problem with sensitivity emotional intelligence and peacemaking uh Mm, I guess I guess just the way that it comes up in this context, it's it's sort of in a sense that alpha is negative. So so basically, I guess my problem is that more way too often, the concept of the alpha male is always in the terms of negative. You know, but I don't always see it as negative. In that, I feel like people adapt roles, and you know, some of that might be traditional cultural norms but i think some of it might just be human behavior in that we do need to we do need to assume roles and you know and i think we have learned if you've ever been on like the board of a co-op or even like if you're like a member of aa or na like when you try to have consensus all the time like it can be difficult like consensus cons- consistent consensus is fucking impossible sometimes it requires people to take on the role of a leader and i guess quote, unquote, that is alpha, not alpha male, but just that is alpha behavior. But there is aspects sometimes somebody needs to take on a leadership role, you know? So I'm not really, I don't really have a problem with the term beta male. I just kind of have a problem with the sense that sensitivity, emotional intelligence, and peacemaking, Yeah, we'll leave that out there. That's for me to deal with myself. But again, I love it. I even love that some of this shit annoys me a little bit. You know, it's very interesting. Very interesting world we're walking into. Walking into the manosphere. Wonderful. The beta uprising. Oh, caricatures of beta males and incels sometimes include suggestions of a beta uprising or incel rebellion wherein men who are unsuccessful at courtship rebel against the mainstream or what they view as privileged members of society. Fuck, man, this is interesting. So that's what they're calling a beta male? Like the guys that get annoyed at women that won't like them? Wow. God, this is fucking amazing. I am loving it. What's a neckbeard? Neckbeard is a pejorative term and stereotype for men who exhibit characteristics such as social awkwardness, underachievement, or pretentiousness. Wow. Wow. The term is associated with the currently unfashionable facial hairstyle known as a neckbeard and by extension to a stereotype of overweight, unkempt internet users with extreme and unpopular political views. The neckbeard stereotype is often associated with comic books, Dungeons & Dragons magic. Oh, God. Oh, well, I'm not going to get too into that, you know. Oh, yeah, the girl with the dragon tattoo, they get into... uh, they get into all these like weirdos and stuff. Okay, look, I'm I'm not going, I'm literally going down a wormhole with you guys as we're on this fucking podcast. But needless to say, I think it's super interesting, you know, and uh, all the terms, the shame, the anger, the arguments, the fights. I'm gonna step right into it, man. I'm gonna step right into it and see what comes out, and see if I can. Take my alpha, my traditional alpha ways, and my conservative desires, and meld them into a new modern man. Woke, but not a pain in the hole. Loving, but not afraid to get dirty. Intelligent. But not afraid. No, I'm just kidding. I, I couldn't keep. I thought I had a flow. Fuck, man, that could have been good. I should turn it off and re-record that. But you know, interesting world. And I, you know, I think we're gonna we're gonna tackle some of this in the in the shift too. But in the meantime, this is just me. You know. So anyway, just in case uh, anybody's looking to see my new show, take the points. It's called the comments section in Australia. Because take the points doesn't mean anything to the Aussies. Uh, But uh, there's no tickets left for Vicker Street this weekend coming up. Or Cork on Thursday. Vicker Street sold out. Uh, Boston, though. I'm in Boston uh, the weekend after next. So if you know anybody in Boston, tell them about the show. And then there are tickets left for Limerick. Killarney is sold out. But there are tickets left for Limerick. And then the following weekend, uh, which is... So Limerick is March the 16th, then St. Patrick's Day is on Sunday. And then the following weekend, I'm in Galway, Friday and Saturday. And there are some tickets left for that. And then I'm off to Australia. And I'm doing Melbourne, and I'm doing Sydney. And then I'm going back to New York. And uh, Katie from the shift lives in New York, and that's where the shift's going to be happening. Katie's coming over to do Vicker Street this weekend, and we're going to be doing some... Shift podcasts with uh, Shauna Scott from uh, Sexshop.ie, and hopefully Stephanie Preisner uh, from Can't Cope Won't Cope Fame, who's just written a book called uh, something about saying no. I don't actually know what it's about exactly, but I'm hoping to organize that. Uh, and uh, I guess you know, as far as the Des Bishop podcast goes, I'm not. I'm not going to shut it down. Um. In the sense that I'm not going to like take it off of, you know, I host it on SoundCloud. I'm going to leave it up for moments like this. And probably moments like when I'm in Melbourne, surrounded by other comedians, that will just go back to doing what we do on the Des Bishop podcast. So I guess if you guys don't mind just leaving it up there in your subscriptions and not being too annoyed that I don't update it that much that we'll just leave it like that. Kind of I guess like like a booty call podcast. Just like every now and then it's like, "Yo, you up?" You know? "Yo, you around? You want to you want to have another go?" You know how much we love it when we do it. And I get it. I don't respect you full time, you know? I don't I'm not there for you all the time, but you know, when we get together, we have a good time. And It's pros and cons for both of us because the truth is that in the meantime, we just get on with our lives. We don't have to get too close. You know, we don't have to get too intimate. You know, we don't have to like get annoyed with each other. You know, see each other too much. Start fucking, you know, hearing the sound of my tongue hitting off the roof of my mouth. And you're like, oh, his tongue just makes an annoying noise sometimes when he talks, you know. So we don't have to deal with all that, you know. Uh, And then we get together, we have a good time and then we get back to what we do, you know. Now, I don't care if you're seeing other podcasts. I get it. I'm not around that much. You need to see other podcasts. You do what you got to do. You know? Once we're here for each other, when we're here, then I think think we're going to be all right. In fact, sounds to me like a perfect relationship, which says a lot more about me than it does about you. But we'll talk about that on the shift. But for now, I guess I'm signing off on the Des Bishop Podcast. I have three hours and 51 minutes. No, two hours and 51 minutes before I need to leave to go to Arclo. Doing a fundraiser tonight for the Arclo Rocks GA Club, which is a favorite for a buddy of mine that I went to boarding school with in Wexford. So uh, I guess I'll have to go back to my proposal about masculinity. I've enjoyed the chat. Didn't get as much clarity for myself as I wanted, but that's okay. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll return to this uh, in the future. Uh, so thanks guys, at Des Bishop on Instagram. If you have any feedback uh, and uh, until then, good day. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen,